All right, so here we are. We are going to start talking about the gifts of the Spirit, Romans 12. And this is, uh, Romans 12 is actually a pretty easy one. Next week is, 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 is a little bit more difficult. In general, uh, you know, the, the, when we start to get into the, the realm of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, it can be very controversial, right? There's a lot of different thought out there on different things. And so, so we want to approach this uh, in, in, in a real serious way. Um, I'll tell you real quick, my heart for the church is, is my heart for this church is that we would be a spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, following crowd of people, right? That we would be filled by the Spirit, that we would be sensitive to the Spirit, we would walk in the Spirit, and we would do all of those kinds of things. Um, so, so that's where I want to see us. I want to see us there, and I want to see us there in a very biblical and sound and balanced way, Okay. So we, we can fall, there are people, there's, there's a whole spectrum of where people fall out on this. You've got all the way on one side where you have cessationists to hyper-charismatic kind of stuff, right? It can just, it, it can really run the, the gamut on this. is a very divisive uh, thing in churches at times. Uh, cessationist, if you don't know, that would be the idea that many of the gifts, or especially the, the sign gifts, the things that kind of the healing, tongues, prophecy, different things like that are gone, that, that, uh, that basically those things have uh, went away, um, basically, especially when, when maybe uh, we, we got uh, God's Word, when we got the Bible, and we got it uh, complete in the New Testament and those kinds of things. I personally believe it's a pretty weak argument, honestly. Um, it, 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 they tend to lean mostly on uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which says, when the perfect comes, that these things will pass away. Um, I think that when the perfect comes is when Jesus returns. But that aside, I want to tell you this. I, I, I know that this is going to challenge us all, and that's a good thing. That's why we're here. We're here to be challenged by God's word. And so this is how we're going to do. And this is going to stay the standard. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have all of this stuff figured out, and I'm happy to visit with anybody through it. I'm going to give you my thoughts. I'm going to talk about how I see this. But this is our guide. This is the authority that I sit under, and I can tell you this. That if I, if I say something that is not in agreement with this, you can come and talk to me at any time. I am not the authority. This is the authority. And this is how this runs, and this is how I continue to do this. And no matter how much this challenges us, that's what we've also got to be open to the idea that this can really challenge us in, in our preconceived thoughts and ideas about some of these things. So um, I don't have it all figured out. I'd love to visit with anybody if, if, if you're struggling in this. There's a lot of different thought out there, like we said. And here's the other thing I want to remind us, is that there's a lot of thought among brothers and sisters in Christ on these issues. These, these issues generally are ancillary. They aren't the issue. We're talking about believers who see some things differently or potentially differently than we do. And we always want to remember that this is still a brother and a sister in Christ. We don't break fellowship over some of these things that are on the periphery a little bit and what we think about them. So... Um, we've got this idea of gifts, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It reminds us and it tells us this, that all scripture is breathed out by God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so again, God's word has to be the standard. It can't be me. It can't be some so somebody who's, who's, who's leading this thing, who, who is a self-proclaimed, whatever they might be, um, God's word stays the standard. And what we have to understand what this is telling us is that it is enough. We need no other 
type of, of uh, revelation outside of this. As a matter of fact, any revelation that isn't in agreement with this is not from the Lord. The Holy Spirit is not ever, 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 I repeat, going to disagree with what the Bible says. He is never going to tell us or teach us anything that is in contradiction to what God's Word says, period. That's it. So, but I believe this. There is a deep, deep need in the church to become more sensitive and follow the Spirit on a deeper level. I believe that the, that the times that we're living in are, are very interesting and unique. Would you agree with that or not? I mean, we have, we, have, we have interesting stuff going on. There are interesting things all in the world around us. There are interesting things coming through the media. And, and, and honestly, there's a lot of stuff that, that just isn't the truth, right? I, I mean, think about this. We just had, a, okay, so, so we just had a congressional hearing in which pilots and high-level military officials and stuff like that said, hey, there are UFOs and we have biologics from, from uh, alien life and, and different things like that. And you know what I find really interesting about that and what I think really shows us what an interesting time we live in is right now everybody's like, whatever. Seriously. I mean, nobody's really, there's not even that much conversation around it, right? I mean, this, this really happened. There was really this hearing, but everybody's just kind of like, ah, oh, whatever. We don't believe anything. We, we, we have been so tripped up with, there's so much false things out there, so much media uh, deception and things. And so there is this need for us to be reliant on the, the sensitive to hear from the Spirit and reliant on the Spirit, and especially more and more as the day approaches. I just firmly believe that we are sitting, I know that that's been said for a long time, but I believe that there's a convergence of different things. The other thing that's about to come down the pike, and, and I don't even know how to prepare us for this, but because I don't know, because it's, it's new territory, but I'm just telling you, and I'm going to tell you again now, I've said it before, but in a few years, artificial intelligence is going to drastically disrupt the world that we live in. And, and it's going to have some good effects, probably, and it's going to have some incredibly awful effects in our lives. And so there's this need to begin to hear from the Spirit, to be tuned in and balanced with the Holy Spirit and what He wants to teach us and the direction that He wants to take us. Um, we are about to, to, I believe, we already have a truth crisis in this country, and, and AI is about to further that to a point where nobody is going to hardly believe anything. I think it's an exciting time for the church because I believe that people are going to want some kind of truth to anchor up to. What is true and what is valid in the church, we have great truth and great things to help people to navigate this world. But here's the deal, too. We've got to be really careful. And this is why when we get into this realm, 1 John 4, 1 tells us, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So the, John is telling us this. He's telling us, look, um, there's, a, there's a reality to the spiritual realm. The Bible teaches it very clearly that there is a reality to the spiritual realm, that there is a battle, there is, there is both malevolent, ma malevolent and benevolent uh, uh, beings and spirits, and there's a war that is happening all around us, and, and there's a source of evil, and there's a source of goodness, and that there's a battle that's going on, and we are a part of that. 
But we want to be a people of what is it that we are going to test the spirits with? Well, we're going to test the spirits with God's word. This is the place in which we're going to see. And things that are in contradiction, again, we're going to have to recognize and know that those really aren't from the spirit. Acts 17 here tells us this. It says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So here's Paul, who is an apostle. He's the apostle Paul. And he's, he is commending these Bereans and saying that they were more noble. Why? Because they searched the scripture to make sure that what he was saying was true. Now, there's a lot of things that are going on in the culture, in the world, and in Christianity today, and we're going to talk about these things. And some of these things, one of those things right, right now that is very uh, kind of prevalent is a thing called uh, NAR, which is the, the New Apostolic Reformation. And the New Apostolic Reformation has things in it that say this. They says that the office of prophet and the office of apostle have been reinstated in the 21st century. And so now there are prophets that are speaking for God on behalf of God that are, that are appointed within the church, and the church now needs to begin to come underneath that and listen to that. The problem with that is that those prophets begin to say things like you can't question the prophet, because to question the prophet is to question God. And to get into those kind of spaces and those kinds of things is a very dangerous thing. See, I believe firmly that the, the, the office of prophet and the office of apostle ended, and they ended um, at the first century. They are part of the foundation of the church. They are part of the beginnings of the church, but I don't believe that they are part of the present-day church. However, let me tell you this, that the gift of prophecy is different from the office of prophecy. The gift of apostle is different from the office of apostle, okay? So we'll deal with those things as we kind of keep going here. But uh, there are basically four main lists. Well, there's probably more. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Ephesians 4.11, and uh, 1 Peter 4.11. Uh, there is no list that is complete with all of the giftings listed in one list. They're not listed in an order of importance. There's no exhaustive list of them. And there is overlap in some of the gifts. In other words, ministry or uh, service, you know, some, some of these different things can overlap into some of the other gifts. Some of them are practiced by all believers, and some of them tend to seem to be a little bit more exclusive to times and places and people. Some gifts are mentioned more than once in these lists. Prophecy, in particular, is listed four times. But the gifts of the church, the engine of the church, is the gifts, the giftings. The Spirit is deploying the gifts to empower the church, to edify the body, and to fulfill the role of the church on earth. This is absolutely, positively, the way that the church is meant to operate, is within the giftings that God has. There are serving gifts, and then there are speaking gifts. You start looking at lists, some will say there's 23, some 21, some 18, some 16, some 7. It, 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 there's a variety of thought around all of these different things. Here's the key. Here's one of the keys. The, one of the things that I really just want us to hold on to is says this, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 11, all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Okay, so 
What does that say? That says that the gifts belong to the Spirit, and the Spirit deploys those gifts as He sees fit. You can't manipulate the Spirit into this. You can't, you can't train yourself into these gifts. These gifts are given, and they're given supernaturally, and they're given by the Spirit, and He does it as the Spirit wills to do it. So we want to be prudent. We want to be careful in all of this kind of stuff. Here's the reality for, for some of us. So again, we, we sit, sometimes we sit way over here, and we want our Christian faith to just be kind of an intellectual one, one that we can just deal with, and one that we can just kind of work our way systematically through, and, and we're never challenged with some things. But I just want to remind us, church, this, that the very core and the very basis of our beliefs within the church exist within the supernatural, and what is the supernatural? It's, it's that which defies what is natural, right? So if we believe this, if we believe that God created the heavens and the earth with, with, with his spoken word, that, that humanity fell and they fell into a place of sin, that God became a man and that he came down, that he lived a perfect life, that he might substitute that perfect life on the cross, that he died on the cross and that he was resurrected three days later, we left the natural a long time ago, Right? So the very core tenets of our faith are not based in the natural. They're, they're, they're based in the, in the supernatural, in the, in, in the greater than, in the power of who God is and the conflict between that and the world and, and sometimes some of the natural ways of thinking. So, so, so we left the natural a long time ago. But we also have to admit this, is that people can tend to have a real affinity for magic and power and things like that. And so they can begin to chase after the gifts and after these giftings and after the experiences that, 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 that some churches are pushing and stuff, and, and then we get very unbiblical because here's the deal. The Holy Spirit, when we're following, when we're walking with the Holy Spirit, he's going to lead you to Jesus. That's what he does. He leads us to Jesus. He is never going, he doesn't, he doesn't bring glory upon himself. He doesn't bring the focus upon himself. Now, that doesn't mean we don't honor the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that we don't consider the Holy Spirit in here and all of those kinds of things, but we've got to recognize that the Holy Spirit, what is he doing? He's leading people to Jesus, to the ministry of Jesus. He's leading people to the Father. This is the role, and this is what it begins to look like for, the, for us as spirit-filled believers. You see, the Holy Spirit gives himself, and then he sets out to accomplish the will of the Father. This is what he does. And so as we, as we approach this idea of gifts, and we're asking about these gifts, and we're exploring into gifts, the thing to do to, to get closer to this, to understand what your gifting is, and to understand and to experience this is to get closer to God. It's, it's to get closer to the Holy Spirit, it's, it, it, which is going to bring you into proximity into Jesus. You see, we don't chase gifts. We chase God. And in our chasing of God, in our, in our drawing near to God, if it would be his will to express himself in some certain manner or way in a situation or into your life or to give you a gift, then so be it. That's, that's, that's the thing. And this is the engine for the church. This is how the church is meant to operate and how it's meant to run. But we don't chase gifts. We chase God. You see... The world is seeing good people do good things for God, but what the world really needs to see is the power of God working through his people. 
And like I said, that might challenge us a a little bit sometimes. I would say this, too, that at times in history and probably in different places, that the Holy Spirit moves with different intensities and different times, and the times and places where it's difficult and the gospel is, is, is somewhat bottlenecked by governments or, or culture or whatever that looks like, I believe in those times and those spaces that we can really see a move of the Holy Spirit that is, that is magnified. That is greater than. Anna, Anna would tell you that when she lived in Ukraine, she first went to Ukraine um, and was in the Peace Corps, and she was there at a time when, when, the, when the wall had just come down, when the, when the Berlin Wall had all come down, and, and there was just a flooding of spirituality into that place because they had been just completely um, oppressed from that for so long. And, and there was a hunger there, and there was a move of the Holy Spirit that was bringing people to just come to know the Lord. But if you talk to Misha, whom this church we support, he'll tell you it's not the same today. It's just not. That, that there was a door and there was a window that opened it for a time and a space, and that seems to have, at this point, closed. That doesn't mean that it won't open again, but, it, but it, it's just, it's different so there's an intensity. Right now in Iran, they say that, that, the, that the Spirit of God is moving on Muslim people, and they're having dreams and visions of, of Jesus, and they're coming to Jesus. As a matter of fact, uh, the fastest-growing church in the world right now, they say, is quite possibly in Iran. We've seen it in China. We've seen it all around different places, that the more that people try to like shut it down and slow the gospel down and shut it down, the more and the harder that the spirit moves, and, and it just goes out all over the place. So you can't stop this thing, but remember that this is God's thing, and we can't manipulate God into operating as we want things to kind of go. You, you can't manufacture things like this. You can't manufacture revival. You can't manufacture uh, or just create the spirit of uh, a big move of God's spirit. See, and these gifts are different than natural talents. Many of us, and we've got natural talents. We have affinities, and we have things that we're good at and, and, and things that maybe we're not so good at. And in the culture, or even a lot the way that we approach that is from a strength-based place, right? We always say, look, uh, even spiritual gift tests, they're like, well, you kind of end up finding a lot of times your strengths in those kinds of things, but God isn't always going to move in your strengths. I'm not going to say he won't use your strengths, but here's the deal. The world doesn't need to see what you're good at. The world needs to see the power of God at your, in your life at work, usually in the areas that you're not very good at, right? Because then when, we, when it happens in an area that we're not that great in, we know that it was God. I'll give you an example. Me, Okay. I don't know why I'm up here, okay? I'll just tell you that right now. I have no idea. I, and I'm, you guys laugh, but I'm telling you the truth. I got no idea why I'm up here, how I got up here. As a matter of fact, I used to have such a, I'm talking a phobia, and it's the most common phobia there is, which is public speaking, okay? Public speaking for me looked like this, hyperventilation. I'm about to pass out. The whole world is coming into, the whole world is getting dark in a circle and it just comes in and it looks, and it just keeps coming in and I'm like, <laughs> and, I, and I can't breathe and, and, and this is me, I'm telling you, I could not do public speaking. But then I came to know Jesus and something happened and for some reason 
God is doing it. And trust me, like I've told you before, if you knew me the way God knows me, you wouldn't listen to one word I have to say. But here it is. You know, he's, he's, he's done something, and it's all God. It's all him. You see, his strength is perfected in weakness. And that means that God might take us outside of our comfort zone in these giftings, right? So we can't always just be strength-based. Heard that a lot. You know, people say things like, well, we'll uh, you know, find out, what you're, find out what you're not good at and then don't do it. Well, maybe. But, but, but I, wouldn't, I wouldn't close that off. Don't close that off to the fact that God might use you in something that you're very weak at because your weakness is his point of strength. And he's the one who can do this. See, does the world really need to know what you and I can do, or does the world need to know what God can do? That's the big thing. See, and if your talents become a substitute for the work of the Spirit, then your ministry is going to be limited. It's just the way it's going to go. Your identity and your worth are not found in your abilities, but in your relationship to Jesus. So, Romans 12, let's look at this here. Um, Before we do, real quick, though, I'm just going to read this one too. Uh, where did that go to? Let me go backwards here. Oh, okay. Never mind. Sorry. Second Peter. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I do, again, I do believe that, that that can happen, but I think that this is an area that we just have to be really careful with. Uh, prophecy in this sense is, is going to be the first part of this list of, of gifts, um, Acts 2, 17 through 18, in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Okay? So, so this, is the, this is what Peter is, uh, he's, he's quoting in Joel, out of Joel in this, as he uh, brings forth the sermon that produces the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. And this is part of what he says. So, so what we can't say on a lot of levels is this. He's not saying anything. He's saying something, right? And, and, and we need to really, and you need to work through what is he saying? What is he saying? What does this mean? What is the application for this in my life? Romans 12, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you that you not not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though are many, 
uh, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another having gifts that differ according to the grace giving to us, given to us. And so what is it saying? It's saying again that the, the gifts of the church, they belong to the Spirit. The Spirit gives them as he, as he wills, and they don't belong to you. They belong to the church body, and they're for the edification and for the ministry of the church into the world around us. So you, you shouldn't be withholding any gifts that you have either. We, we, we need to be coming forth and bringing, because what this is all talking in the context of this is this is how the church moves, that the church moves as all of the members come in and they begin to play their role. They begin to use their talents, and they also begin to use the gifts that God has given so that they move as a body. Not separately, not individually, not, not as islands off to themselves, but they begin to move really as a body. This is for the edifying of the church and the function of the church, and it's a big deal. So prophecy. Again, prophecy, again, is a really big one today. And, and, and there's a lot of people out there with a lot of prophetic voices that are out there. And I'm just going to say, you've got, we've got to test the spirits on these things. You've got to know a bigger picture sometimes of what they're saying and where they're going and where their theology starts to lead. Again, there are different churches, there are different places out there that are really approaching these gifts and these things from a very unbiblical place. Bethel Church, uh, some of these others, they, at the root of where they're at is this new apostolic reformation where they believe this. It's about dominionism as well. If you start hearing things like fivefold ministry or the seven mountains of influence or the passion translation of the Bible, so they're all places to just have a check about what's going on. They believe this. They believe that if we were to conquer every one of these mountains of influence in the culture around us, that, that, that now that there are apostles, the office of apostle and the office of prophet, and basically what we're doing is as the church is that we're moving out and we're engaging the culture around us and we're taking it over. We're, we're, we're going and we are, Genesis 128, we are going to subdue the earth kind of a thing. Now, now, don't get me wrong, there's, there's nothing wrong with, Christians should have influence into all of these areas, but, but their theology goes a little bit deeper. They believe that as we, as we take the earth back over again, that we will initiate basically the return of Jesus by making the world good kind of a thing again. And that there'll be a great wealth transfer from all of the wealthy now to all of the Christians. It's based in word of faith, it's based in, in uh, prosperity gospel and things like that, and it gets really dangerous, and there's a lot of things about it that aren't really biblically sound. It, it just it, it goes on, and I'd be happy to have more conversations about that with people, but, but just you've, we've, we've got to be careful because there's, there's a lot of voices out there. There are a lot of voices out there, and with the internet and all of that, there's, there's never been more voices, Right? So we have to discern, we have to be discerning people, and we have to test the spirits, and we have to test what is being said out there. Thankfully, God hasn't left us alone in that. Deuteronomy 18, 21 and 22, and if you say in your heart, how may we know that the word, uh, that the, know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has said it, presumptuously, you need not be afraid of him. It, it means that, that if people are going to prophesy, and think about this now, now if you're going to prophesy, that means you're speaking on behalf of God. 
We have to take that like, you got to be careful with that. If, if everything you're saying is God told me, God told me, God told me, God told me, and there's no scripture that's, that's involved in this, I'm, I'm just going to say, you've you got to be careful with that. How, you, we don't want to be presumptuous people who begin to just say, because we've got to admit too, and this is me and everybody else in here, we have a propensity to take our own will and what we want and, and shape how we think that God is telling us this thing sometimes. There's a real need for us to be prudent and to be careful in these areas and not just to be reckless in them. But there's also a real need, I believe, to, to recognize the validity of these things and the reality of these things. You see, prophecy most times in the Old Testament wasn't the foretelling of the future. It was a foretelling of, to God's people of what, what God w- was reminding them of what he had said and how they needed to be and how they needed to operate and how they had gotten away from that. So very often today, a prophetic voice is just going to be a reminder of us out of Scripture and out of God's Word as to reminding us to what God is saying and, a, and, and an encouragement and, a, and a rem- to get back there, that we've gotten off track and stuff. Now, again, I think that we have to have the, the validity and we have to believe. I believe that God will speak to us, but I believe that it's a place where you better recognize that if, if, if He's speaking to you, that's hallowed ground. That's hallowed ground. We don't just flippantly say, God told me. You, 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 we want to be sure. We want to understand that. And part of that looks like that, that the prophet, and even if we look into Corinthians and things like that, was that they brought, the, they brought that into the church leadership and into the body, and they humbly placed it there and said, will you, will you be prayerful over this? Will you, will you, will you, can you confirm? They looked not just to be these prophets that were islands off to themselves, prophetically telling the world all of these things, but they brought it into the body and they look for affirmation and confirmation as to what was being said. I think it's just, it's just we have to be careful in this area. But there's a biblical standard. If somebody says something and they claim to be a prophet or have prophetic abilities and stuff, and then what they're telling you doesn't come true, don't listen to them. There you go. Don't listen to them. There, there, it becomes, it's too easy for people to start to begin to like the, the attention that they can get from some of these kinds of things. And people will do that. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that it couldn't be valid at the same time, but I promise you the people that it's valid from are going to come from a, from a very humble place. They're going to humbly present these kinds of things. They're not just going to come and and, and kind of blah, all over everybody all the time. Uh, so, but, but we, we don't listen. If, if what they say doesn't come true, it wasn't God. Because God is never wrong. God, God never misses it. He, you know, and it's part of how we can see, is this person really speaking from God or not? Same thing with these apostles and things, you know. And again, with Nar, there's, there's all of this apostolic, uh, self-appointed, uh, an apostle that has been literally uh, appointed by Jesus. And, and remember that this was, this was I mean, they were, they were arguing back in the day if Paul was an apostle, right? Because there was qualifications to being an apostle. Now, again, the office of apostle and the gift of apostle are two different things. But look at this, 2 Corinthians 11, 12 through 15. And what am I doing? I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would claim 
that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deed. It doesn't look dark. It doesn't look all dark. Whenever we, whenever we start, this is again why the church is going to have to have this tight abiding relationship to the Holy Spirit, really hearing from Him and being sensitive to this because they don't look bad. As a matter of fact, it looks like an angel of light. It looks like a good thing. As a matter of fact, if I wanted to stand up here and tell you a really good lie, it's going to have to be mostly truth, right? It doesn't mean that these things are void of truth or that the people who are pushing some of the things are void of truth. It means that that 1% or 2% where they begin to vary will take you off a long ways. If you, if you set out on a journey and you're a couple of degrees off in your compass, the further you go, the further off you get, right? So it's, it's, it's a big deal. So we want to understand, and again, we've got, to be simp- we've got to be sensitive. What does Jesus say? Matthew 7, 15 and 16, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Why does he say sheep's clothing? Because they would seem to be one of you. They would seem to be part of the whole deal. So, on with our list here. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so the first one, again, on this list is, is prophecy. It's, it's a prophetic word. God is going to speak. And there are people, I believe, who uh, are, are prophets, who, who have the gift of prophecy, and generally, those people, a lot of times, they're going to be very black and white, and they're just going to tell you the truth. They're going to tell you the truth out of God's Word, and then sometimes they're, sometimes they're a little bit too harsh, and sometimes they need to learn how to mix their truth with some love and things like that, but they're going to tell you the truth, and they're going to speak out of that. And I believe that God speaks that into their lives at times and places them in places where they can use that gift to help people individually or churches or whatever that looks like and to, to get back on track when they get off of track, but this certainly is a gift, and I see no reason, I see no good reason in the Bible to say that that would not exist today. I don't. Maybe you do. We could talk about that, but, but I don't, I personally, I don't see anything, and it's listed, it's listed four times prophecy is, as a matter of fact, and so I think that with, with, with the reality of it, I think that it's just all the more reason to just be careful with this. But listen, there's more than that. And see, that's the only one really in that whole list that we're going to have a problem with, right? Huh? What are you going to have a problem with? Oh, good, good. But, but you know, that, that gets really controversial. How about that? Okay. Okay. Good, good answer. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Um, if, you know, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving... The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes with generosity. I tell you, I got to see this gift right here this last week. I want to share with you really quick just a little testimony. Um, So to be honest with you, 
uh, the church right now. We've had such a massive rush this year of benevolence needs. As a matter of fact, you have helped to contribute $30,000 already to outside benevolence needs outside of the church. Last year at this time, it was about $15,000 we had done, okay? So, so the church has doubled. We've had double the amount of benevolence need. And so honestly, we were kind of upside down in, the, in, in our uh, budget of that by quite a bit. And so we kind of had to say, we're, we're going to back off on outside benevolence right now. Well, and I believe this was by the Spirit. Elisa brought me this thing, and I, I just told Lisa, I said, look, until we kind of change this, pretty much uh, outside benevolence, outside of the church, we're just going to have to say no to for right now and pray with people, and, you know, and just, but we can't financially help them right now. But she brought me this thing, and she's like, yeah, hey, just, I don't know, just look at this. And I look at it, and I'm like, oh, man. And it's a family here in town that, that has a six-year-old with cancer. And... Um, and so I was like, wow, I was just really pulled by it. And I, I, I called them up and was visiting with them and just listening. And they were trying. I mean, they were really trying, but they, they've got medical bills and they're behind on their rent. They're behind on MDU. They're trying to, they've, they've, they've got another surgery coming up the end of August. It's looking really kind of hard, really hard for them. And so I thought this, I thought, I thought, man, you know what? I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just call a few people. I'm going to call a few people. And, and just see if God does something. And God, and my thought was this. I thought, you know what? If we could get a couple thousand dollars, that would help them with their rent, and that would help them with their MDU, and that would be a blessing. And that would have absolutely been a blessing for them, no doubt about it. I mean, it would, that would have been a lot. 30 minutes after I called some people, I had $12,000 that came in. It's that is the spirit unleashing generosity in giving. It's the spirit pulling on people and moving us. And see, if we could start to get a heart for this and, and, and plug into the spirit and allow God to begin to move his church by these means. I mean, what an amazing thing. I mean, the, the, the next surgery is paid for. I mean, praise the Lord. I mean, it drastically changed everything about these folks' life in the present right now, you know? I mean, imagine just going from like just the, the stress, the anxiety of having a child with cancer, of having all of these different things, the financial struggles to all of a sudden, man, God just unleashes this thing and it's over. For them, they're just like, they can't believe it. They're just tears, tears, it's so cool. But that's this gift of, of generosity, Teaching, you know, the, there's, there's, teaching doesn't mean preaching. Preaching and teaching are different things. You may have the gift of teaching and we, you know, you, you, you may be uh, somebody that God is calling to become a small group leader, to, to teach and to help guide others, you know. We're really excited about things that are coming um, you know, as we get to the 10th here, we, we really have a big initiative to really move and to provide a lot of resources and a lot of different things to help us to become more of a discipling church and more of a discipling culture. And, and so I'm really excited about the things, but maybe teaching is something that God has for you. Maybe it's serving, right? Serving. Servants, we always need things. There's always things to do, right? And the hard 
for, it's all great and fine to be a servant until somebody treats you like one, right? But serving is, is, is something that, that we really are all called to. But see, some people, and this is what happens in these giftings, is some people are just really called to it. Like we all need to serve. We all need to pray. We all need to teach and do some different things. We all need to evangelize, but some people are really gifted. God gives like an extra boost into that, and then those people are really just those who, who, who move forward and move, can help to move the church forward in a really good way. See, remember, the church isn't about hiring a lot of staff. It's really not about that. I mean, there's a certain amount that that needs to be the truth because you have to facilitate things and you have to organize things and there has to be availability and open doors and things like that. But, but really, it's about the church operating within the gifts. A couple things here. Just a couple more thoughts on this, just sobering thoughts, I think, for this idea of prophecy. Thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. Finally, Jeremiah 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. So, I believe the gifts are real. I want to see this a spirit-led, gift-practicing church body. I don't want to see us get, but I want to see us biblically balanced in that. I want to see us to, to look at Scripture and to see what it says and to allow Scripture to teach us what this looks like and what it looks like in the church today. So next week will be actually more exciting because we start to get into some of those sign gifts, some of those mirac- more miraculous gifts and those kinds of things. Lord, we just pray that you would help us, that you would guide us and teach us. And Lord, that we would just continue to go to your word and that we would allow your word to be the authority. And however that challenges us, we would consider that to be a good thing, to be challenged by you. And, and, and Lord, we pray that you would shape this church body. We want to we follow your spirit. We want to follow you. We want to uh, be spirit-led. We want to connect with you. We want to chase you. And we want to make a difference in the world around us, Lord. We want to know what your version, what you have to say about what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. Lord, we just ask, too, that you would, that you would just distribute, Holy Spirit, the gifts that you want to distribute around this church body. We acknowledge and we accept that you do that as you will. That it is up to you that, this, that the gifts belong to you. They don't belong to us. We don't get to have a business card that just says, here I am, I've, I've, this is me. But the, if you would, if you would extend those gifts to us, if you would allow us the privilege and the opportunity to serve you with the gifts as you would just give them and distribute them, Lord, we would know that we would be blessed and we would be a blessing as well. So we give honor and glory and praise and thanks to you and to who you are. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.